You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, it's good to be with you all again this morning as we continue in our series entitled God at Work. This is going to be week two of our discussion on this. And um, I hope and uh, what I'm suspecting has happened by way of, of how I processed the, 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 the uh, putting together of this sermon as well as some of the response that I got last week is that maybe we have had some of our long-held perceptions challenged by new truth. How many of you have ever had that occur in your life? Or maybe you've had a long-held perception that has been challenged by truth. Anybody in here? I um, I discovered that for myself just last night in the form of bell peppers. How many of you in here have a belief that bell peppers are good? Because you're wrong. <laughs> but that's okay. You're here now. Um, for me, for a long time since it really since I've been nine years old, I believe that bell peppers were a creation of two demons in hell wanting to curse mankind with. Um, that's how I look at bell peppers, and I don't care if they're orange, green, red; it doesn't matter. They're still bell peppers. But then something horrible happened last night. I've got family that's flown in from uh, Vegas and in and, and Florida to, to um, kind of celebrate my son's graduation, and they did the cooking last night. So what do you think that they cooked? Because they're evil. They, they, they did that intentionally. They, they made bell peppers. And then they challenged me to eat a bell pepper. And then something horrible happened. I liked it. And it devastated me. Because for the last 35 years of my life, I've had a long-held perception that bell peppers are of the devil. And now I'm liking it. And so my, my entire world is being rocked. How many of you have ever had, like I said, a long-held perception, maybe from childhood, that's been um, challenged by truth, right? Um, I believe when it comes to what we've discussed the last two weeks, that that's really true, at least it is for some of those that I've talked to, as well as myself, that we've had a long-held, long-term perception that work was a curse, and yet we're being challenged with what God's Word tells us. Think about how long you've had this perception. How many of you grew up in the era where you had to have chores? Beautiful, gorgeous, outstanding chores, right? You didn't wake up in the morning just anticipating the joy of doing chores, did you? No. In fact, how many of you remember how how important chores were? You couldn't go ride your bike until you did your? You couldn't go play video games until you did your? chores. You couldn't do nothing until you did your chores. So chores were a curse and you had to go through the curse in order to get to the good stuff, right? Well, work, we kind of look at in the exact same way. In fact, we looked at work as a curse because that's a long held perception that we've had. But scripture tells us that work is not a curse, but in fact, work is a blessing from God. Last week we talked about that, how how many of us believe that in Genesis chapter 3, when we see the fall of man and God then says, cursed is the ground and you will toil after it, you will work hard. We used to think that work is a curse and a result of the fall of man. But then we realized that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, far before the curse ever occurred, that God blessed man with work. That before he ever sinned, God placed Adam in the garden and he gave him a job to do. We read in Colossians chapter 3, 
verses 23 and 24, these words. It says that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that you are working for. How many of you would agree with me? That's a challenge to our long-held perception of what work is. God has called us. He's tasked us. He's challenged us, you might even say, to see work the way that he sees work as an opportunity for us to worship him, even in our workplace. So this morning, I'm excited about the discussion that we're going to have about work and how God is at work in our work, how God is at work in us while we are at work. We, uh, we, we, we scoured all of North Carolina, all of the United States to bring in a highly qualified panel this morning. Um, so would you give them a round of applause as they make their way up here today? Thank you guys for coming up. Um, you talk about an inheritance from the Lord where work is an inherit, where we get an inheritance for working, right? My wife, having been with me for 16 years, having you know her inheritance is going to be huge. Just having to put up with me for 16 glorious years for her. Don't you applaud that? <laughs> Unless you're applauding 16 years of marriage. Not that she had to work dealing with me, which is true too. Um, so real quick, while we get underway here, uh, before we start having some discussion on God in the workplace, how God has shown each of you um, just little facets about worshiping God at work. Would you do me a favor and, and just kind of introduce yourself? Tell me about your immediate family and, and what you do. I am uh, Palmer Brown. I'm from Albemarle, North Carolina. I'm uh, married to my wife, Haley. Two girls, Lucy and Abby, ages seven, uh, excuse me, six and three, soon to be seven and four. I work for a, uh, a contract food service company. I've been there for about 15 years. I, uh, I run strategy for North America. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, my name is Faye Maloney, and um, I'm married to Robert, and I've got two boys, ages 17 and 19, and I'm a full-time realtor this last year. Cool. And, and one of the reasons we've asked Faye to be up here today is because this is, um, I don't want to say a relatively new season as far as being in, in, in full-time employment. She was also um, a full-time mom at home. And how many of you would agree with me this morning that being a full-time mom at home is just a whole lot of work, right? And so we want to kind of bring that. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Her son is like, oh, yes, it was. Amen. You don't even know. You don't even know. Okay. And then, and then, hi. hi. How you doing? I'm Bev Taylor, married to this fella. Yeah, you right are. Here. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. you are. Uh, we have four boys, um, uh, 21, 18, 15, and 13. See, I got I'm, it. I'm, I'm not on the 13 it. year old. She's I'm like pointing at me like, 13. I was just trying to connect with you so you could mentally tell me how old they were. And I work at Trilogy um, Lake Norman here in Denver. Cool, cool. Tell me real quick so we can kind of put this all together too. Just a little bit about um, when you first came to know Jesus as your Savior. When when did that happen? I I grew up in a a church, a small church in Albemarle. And um, just a traditional, traditional upbringing, but probably wasn't until college. In fact, I know uh, it was in college when uh, I think the light bulb came off and, and I just I started to develop that relationship. And ever since then, it's um, it's been growing. 
Um, obviously still lots and lots of work to do, but uh, started in college. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, for me, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I didn't come from a family of believers. And so my parents just wanted me to have good education. So they sent me to a small uh, private Christian high school. But instead, I got something better, and I got the saving truth of Jesus Christ. Mm. But I didn't start really... Uh, walking with the Lord, I would say, until about 24, there was a message from the pulpit, and it was the word spoken out of Matthew, and it was, uh, but you did this in my name, and you did that in my name, or, or I did this in your name, God, and I did that in your name, God, and the Lord said, but I didn't know you. Turn around and walk away from me, and I realized that I didn't know him, and he didn't know me, and from that moment on, about 24, that's when we've been walking and talking ever since. Sweet. Um, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home uh, with parents who loved the Lord and, and actually lived their faith out in front of us. Um, so I've had uh, the blessing of knowing Jesus since I was a little girl. He's always been a real active uh, part of my life. And um, that's why I believe so firmly in children's ministry, because our kids can know Jesus. Jesus can speak to them when they're young. And they can have a living, vital relationship with him at any age. That's cool. And so my question to you would be this. I'm, I'm going to venture to guess that when you came to know Jesus or whatever age that was, um, that immediately you didn't correlate work as worship. Did, was there, did, it, did you have to kind of wrap your head around that like a lot of us are, had to do as, as far as seeing work as a, as a form of worship? Or did you always kind of recognize it that way? No. <laughs> okay is that pretty much sum up for the whole, the whole panel yeah um so when when we have to be challenged or when we are challenged by the truth of scripture rather than maybe long-held beliefs um it's not always easy to flip that mentally is it to to, to align ourselves so as you're beginning to flip that that concept of work is worship how do you continue to go to work and when we go to work every single day, it's almost like there's a daily grind to it, right? It's like, here we go again. It's Monday. Got to get back to work. How do you keep that perspective of worship at work? Now that you've changed your thought process, how do you keep that in front of you when it's just like that punch the clock in, punch it out, 40 hour plus weeks huh? or hours per week? How do you do that? Well, um, I'll share a perspective that's helped me uh, in that area. Yeah. Um, I uh, started off in college, and my um, my major is in business, and full-time occupation was in telecommunications, and I really thought that that was going to be the future. Um, then children come, and then I decide um, part-time work, part-time um, at home, and then God yet changed that again. And uh, after several years of that, um, God called me to lay it all down and full-time mom. And I was really wrestling with God. And oftentimes when we wrestle with God, that's when he brings us the truth that we need to help us, you know, and I was wrestling with God and I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand, you know, why it is that you've, you know, why couldn't you made me like my husband? You've put him on a path on a road. He's been on that road for 20 years. And why couldn't you have made me like that? Right. And God very clearly, distinctly said to me, he said, Faye, because with you, I'm not building a road. I'm building a building. And mm. I'm the architect. And you're the laborer. So just build the next stone that I call you to build. Mm. And in that moment, instantly, the Lord gave me the image of the Washington Monument. And I realized that that was going to be my life. And that my life was going to be a monument to him. 
that I was constructing. And so now, as full-time mom, here I am, this stonecutter. I might be beat up, bruised, bloody. My kids, bloody, beat up, bruised. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, here we are, bandages and cereal and everything like that. And I have to realize that in isolation, it looks like I'm just sitting here laboring on the stone. But he is the master plan, and he has the blueprint, and I don't. So in the end, it's going to be a monument to him. My life will be a monument to him in the end. Yeah, that's so cool because I think so so many times, right, when it's the daily grind, all we see is what's in front of us and not not maybe the monument that we are building to God. And so here's the cool thing. God gives us vision of the Washington Monument, right? And, and don't you love it that when God gives us a vision, oftentimes there's more to the story than just the vision that we're getting at that moment. So she was sharing with us that, um, she saw that monument, the Washington Monument, the vision that God gave her, and then that there was something more to the story. You started looking into the history of the Washington Monument and share a little bit about what you found. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels there, actually. Um, uh, so many. Uh, the changing color of the stone, my life before Christ, the life after Christ, the setting of the foundation and the cornerstone. Um, there, there's so many things, you guys. But two things I'll share with you. One is if you know a little bit about the construction of the Washington Monument, you know it's four sides, and it's a shallow half, a, sh- a hollow shaft going up. And uh, it's interesting because during its construction, it was ac- actually halted. And it was stopped during the Civil War. Well, Mark Twain actually rode through there during that time. And he looked at it and he said, it's a pile of garbage. It's a hollowed out chimney. It's ugly. It needs to get torn down is what he suggested because it was a work in progress. And I realized that as with our lives too, sometimes it doesn't necessarily look like this really great sparkling monument, but we're a work in progress and we won't see the full picture until the end. So we have to have faith in the one who has the blueprints. Because we don't. So we have to remind ourselves that we're called to be the stone cutter and move on to just cutting the, doing the work God's called us to do and leave the end results to him. And then the second thing was that I realized in the history and the research of it is that the Washington Monument only has one door. There's a single access to that monument. And it's deliberate. And it faces the rising sun to the east. And I realized that that was my life and that that's what God was saying to me as well, is that my life was to have one access, one entry, and it was also to be facing only him, the risen son. Come on, that's cool, right? That's pretty cool. So, so if we're, we're, we're dealing with a daily grind. We have to remember that we're building a monument unto God. But I'm going to take a wild guess here and that there's probably a lot of individuals in here who are not necessarily working their dream job. Is that true? If your employers are in here, don't raise your hand. Just, okay. I'm sure that there's some in here who are like struggling because the job that they have is not their dream job. It's not, it's not even the job they want to be having. So how do you navigate the reality? Because the Bible says it, so it's got to be true, that, 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 that work is a blessing, and yet the work that I'm doing is not the work I want to do. How do you deal with that? Well, I found myself in a season, um, for those of you who don't know, I, I am a Bible college graduate and my path was always ministry. I've worked vocationally in, in ministry and church ministry typically, um, but I found myself in a season for the last uh, few years where God's called me um, in just into the marketplace and into other jobs. And it's not how, it wasn't how I planned it. It wasn't how I mapped it out. Um, God and I have had some wrestling matches over it. Um, 
you know, this wasn't how it was supposed to be, but I found myself in this different season. Um, and God just really spoke to me through someone and she just said, Bev, you're going to miss the big work that God's doing right now, that God's doing in your life right now and around you. If you're just focusing on what could be or what you thought the plan was, because the truth is God works in completion. So in everything that he's doing, he has a plan and a purpose and he is doing a work Mm -hmm. and his work is good. And if we focus on that, there's such peace in whatever season or stage we're in in life is because God's there. That's where he is. That's where he's at work. And if we don't focus on that, then we'll miss the big picture of what God's doing in our lives and the opportunities that God's going to give us to work in other people's lives. That's a good perspective. And Because work, work is a platform, right? We, I mean, it, it's a platform for us to worship God. It, the work provides us a platform to worship God just by our work ethic and stuff. But it's also a platform for God to do a work in us. And so I think that's so important for each of us as we start to look at our workplace, that, that God has got you there intentionally in this season, in this assignment, because God is doing a work in you, whether you're enjoying the job or, or not enjoying the job. There's a work that's happening. And, and not only is it a platform for, for, what, for worship and what God is doing in you, but I, I would say this, it's also a platform for us to show the world who Jesus is. One job that we all have in common is the job that Jesus gave to us when he said, go out and make disciples, right? He said, go preach my message into all of the world. Well, work is our world. Now, the, the challenge becomes this, though. We're, we're, we're working. There's rules. There's regulations at where we're working. And so um, you can't just like be screaming about Jesus to every single person 24 hours a day, seven days a week in your workplace. Um, it gets frowned upon in some establishments when you do that, right? <laughs> so the question is, how do you balance your identity and your what you've been commissioned to do by Jesus with the work that you're doing? How, how, do, you, how do you do that? For me, it's it's something that that I've um, I've wrestled with a bit. You know, you're talking about the great great commission, and um, you know we're called to be like Jesus. Jesus was 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 a rebel. He was preaching in the marketplace and in the in the um, pulpit. And um, but when I look at it in the workplace, you know, I look at okay, if I if I do that in the workplace, um, number one, I'm probably going to turn off a lot of people. Mm. Two, I probably won't have my job much longer. And three, that's not really who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's about showing people um, God through my words and my actions and how I go about my life every day. You know, one thing that, that, that I pray for daily for me, for my girls, is that others can see Christ through us. And so within the workplace, it may be something small, you know, like writing handwritten notes to folks, thanking them for the, the hard work they're doing. It can be picking up trash in the parking lot as I'm, as I'm walking in. Um, it, but doing good things and being compassionate and caring, um, anybody can do that. I think what's important is that, that, that folks see where that comes from for me. So what makes me different? And so I, I, I give them glimpses of the fuel that's, that's behind me. So it's talking about, well, 
you know, we talked about this in church last week, or, you know, if, if they're having some struggles, well, can I pray with you? It's just little things here or there that I think um, can show people Christ um, the way that, that, that I live on a daily basis. That's awesome. That's so good. I hope you guys caught that, that, that there's a lot of people who are just good people who don't know Jesus that can do good things, right? So it's not just about the doing of the good things. It's about pointing them in some way back to the good God that he serves. Now, but you said something, and I want to get real with this. You said that you're, you're, you're just living this out. Your character is demonstrating that there's something different. And so you're doing that looking for opportunities to plant seeds. And you said, what if somebody may want to pray? Hey, can I pray with you? So be honest with us. That first time someone walks up to you, it's not a church. It's not a Bible study. It's at work. And they're like, hey, can, can, can you know, yeah, go ahead and pray with me. How hard was that? It gets easier. It gets easier. <laughs> and, and I think that's true, right? How many of you would, would agree that, man, at first it's uncomfortable to, to go in that direction with somebody at work. It's, a, it's a not an environment you're used to doing that. And yet, you know, the more that we do anything, the more that we be, it becomes easier for us to step into. And so as you're, I just love the, I love the way that you're saying that, that it's, it reminds me of a saying, I can't recall, somebody smarter than me would be able to remember this out here, but someone once said, you know, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And, and so here we have a great work um, example of that, that this platform that's there to be able to, uh, to do just that. So let me, let me transition to a different question. And, and, I, and here, because I just think this is another one that we'll all struggle with in here. And that is the balance between family life and work life. Because our first and foremost ministry is to our family. And yet we have a job to do. How do you navigate, Faith, that challenge between work and, and family life? Um, for me, it, it's one of those things where um, I have... I want to be involved. I want to do good and noble things for the Lord because yeah. I love him. Yeah. And, um, and because uh, I believe in compassion ministry and um, I want to serve others because I love others. Yeah. Uh, however, I realized that in my life that um, those good and noble things may not be the very things that God's calling me to do. And I may have a heart for those ministries, heart for youth, heart for seniors, heart for women, heart for uh, missions, um, even a heart for the men. I asked God once, I said, what's that all about, God? And he said, well, of course you do. You have my heart. Mm. So it's okay for us to have a heart for those things. But I realized then that that wasn't the areas um, that God was calling me to work in and that, um, and that I was stretching too thin. And so now I realize that actually God, it is godly. It is what he wants me to do is to establish boundaries even yeah. in that. Yeah. And there was a, a book called uh, The Best Yes by Lisa Turkhurst. And there was a statement in there and it, it was really good. And it wasn't so like full of uh, scripture necessarily, but it was awesome. And it said, saying yes to everything in your life doesn't make you a wonder woman. It makes you a worn out woman. Oh, that's tweetable. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> it doesn't make you a worn out. It doesn't, doesn't make, make you wonder, wonder woman. woman. It makes you a worn, a worn out, out woman. Okay. So then I'm then I'm no okay. good to anybody. That's good. That's good. So what what about you, honey? How do you, how do you maintain a work life and then take care of me? <laughs> there is no taking care of you. Sorry. Um, for me, Woodshed. 
Uh, for me, obviously, in different seasons of life, you know, my family has been more demanding at times than others when the when the kids were younger. But at this point, um, the way I really try to, to work is to, when I'm at work, just to really make that my focus, to really give everything that I have um, to the job that I'm doing. But then in the same aspect, when I get home, I got to let the job go and I've really got to give everything that I have to my family and really focus my energy on my wonderful, loving husband and my children. Um, because it's if you're always divided, if you're living divided, whether it's at home or at work or wherever it is, it's hard to um, accomplish you know, what you need to accomplish. So just being able to really focus on um, the individual places. Obviously, sometimes they bleed together, but, but in the whole to really try to make that um, separation. Yeah, and honesty, she does that just. A, she does a tremendous job with that. But what about what about you? Uh, this is something I I struggle with a lot. Um, when I look at work, family, I mean, you, you you name a category, I I constantly feel that I come up short in all in all areas. Um, try as I might, I I feel like I, I mean, I just come up short. Um, with 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 family and work specifically, uh, it's um, it's 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 a matter of focus. It's a matter of prioritization. You know, my job is one that I'm expected to be to be on at all times. It's it's not a nine to five kind of kind of job. But at the same time, I know my my priority is to my family, and so it's it's one where you know sometimes I'll I'll, I'll leave work early. Um, to go home and take Lucy to swim practice, uh, and it's tough because again, I I try to be an example for others at work, and I want people to see my work at ethic, but at the same time, you know I, I you know I need to have my priorities as well, um, and it's 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 one where I, you know I I, uh, I just I try daily, and uh, it's it's a never-ending process. Yeah, you know, when we were talking about it earlier, and you can hear it here too, he said, he goes, it feels like, you know, when when I'm giving to work, I'm cheating my family. When I'm giving to my family, I'm cheating my work. And 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 just like, man, I just don't feel like I do any of this good. Um, and I love the authenticity in that. One of the things that, that I love about this is, is that here's not a panelist or a panel of people or a pastor up here who's like, oh, we got this all figured out. Come come do what we're doing. It's like, no, we're just walking this thing out, figuring it out together as we go. Um, and, and I so identify with you in what you said about how you just feel like, man, you just can't get this thing right and that we're falling short either in our workplace and in, in, in the, in the assignment that God has given us or we're, we're just not doing a good enough job with our with our family. And, and and I think what happens is we can get so caught up in being down on ourselves, we, we lose sight of the real impact that we're having in our families. And so I say that intentionally because I got an email, and, and this was unprompted. I, I didn't ask for this. It was an email that I got... It's six o'clock this morning uh, from your wife. She's ratting on you. It's great. <laughs> so good morning, Pastor Jeremy. I'm in the mountains with friends this weekend, so unfortunately I'm going to miss Palmer being a part of this panel uh, this morning. I felt prompted to share with you my perspective of how Palmer daily walks out being a follower of Christ. Palmer lives his life in alignment with his favorite Bible verse, Micah 6.8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. She said, I could share countless stories with you 
of how I've witnessed him walk this out at work, with neighbors, with family and friends. But what I feel the need to share is how he is within the four walls of our home. He loves the three of us girls in the best kind of way, daily reminding us of our beauty, our strength, and our value to him and to God. He draws us close with hugs and affection, but allows us room to feel free and strong. He is an encourager, an advocate, a truth speaker, a student of life and love. He isn't afraid to fail or be wrong, and he lives courageously and intentionally. As his wife, I am blessed beyond measure. Thank you for the opportunity to share this with you. Aww, everybody's here. Cool? She, she just felt guilty that she couldn't be here. Because she, <laughs> she's in the mountains and you're not. I think it's just important that not only you hear that, because I think, you know, again, it's just, we always want to speak truth, man. We don't want to buy into lies. And the lies would tell us we're not good enough, we're not qualified, we're not making it. But truth says, you know, you are. And I think that's a great validation of truth. But I think it's great for all of us to know that despite how sometimes we see ourselves and our inadequacies, don't you underestimate what you're doing, how the Holy Spirit is using you. So that's a fantastic example. All right, last question for you guys. I'm going to get you out of here. And the question is this, and it's an important question for me because I I, I really believe leadership um, is of utmost importance in our life. And you guys have heard me say this, and I'm going to say it again and again and again for as long as I'm here, that that we are all leaders. God has created all of us to be leaders, and he has placed you as a leader so that you may be a person of influence and, and influencing people towards him. So as a Christian leader, and you are a Christian leader first and foremost, but you are in a job that may be called a secular job, how do you lead individuals who maybe don't know Jesus, who, who, who maybe haven't gone to church, how do you lead them in a godly way yet still get the job done? Because you, you still got to get the task finished, right? And so how do you navigate that balance of leadership, godly leadership, and still getting a job done? Um, I think for me, it's a paradigm uh, from Scripture that says in the book of Proverbs that God is justice and mercy kiss. And I think that's really important for us because he's both. And so because those are his virtues and they're not ours, it means we rely on him for them. We don't have it in and of ourselves to figure it out and to do it on our own, really. These are virtues that we need to come to him for and ask him for the right perspective, his perspective, for his spirit to lead us and guide us. I'll share with you that I was having a difficult time in my marriage and my parenting several years back. And I was wrestling with God yet again. And I'm sitting here saying, God, I can't. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't be married to him and parent them at the same time. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't understand. Okay. <laughs> and, and the Lord very clearly said, just very simple, in the still small voice, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And I didn't want to hear it. And I said, but I can't. I can't do it, God. And he said, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And I'm telling you, I was a slobbering fool on the floor, a mess with the, I was a mess. And I said, no, but I can't. Eight times, God said, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And I realized at the eighth time, Faye, you're right, you can't. I can't do it in of myself. It requires him every day seeking his virtue of justice and 
mercy, or they kiss. Truth with real right motive delivering it to a person. Too much justice and truth, not God. Too much compassion and mercy, not God. He's both, and it's where they meet. So cool. I'm so impressed by that. I'm more impressed that you were able to hear God after eight times. It takes me 80 a lot of times, so that's fantastic. Honey, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I think for me, I just try to, that Colossians 3.17 has been a verse uh, that I learned as even a child, that whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And for me, that's how I try to conduct um, every interaction with people at work, in my job ethic, that I'm doing this as unto God, and I will always give God my best. And so it really helps just keep that that perspective of how to um, just relate and treat people that you're working with. Yeah, whether you're working with people or 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 in, you're technically a manager or not a manager, you're still leading people too, right? You're leading your customers, those that you're serving, and and so again, we're we're leading individuals in the same way we would want to um, have ourselves lead led right and, and to be able to honor god in that but what about what about you palmer how, how do you deal with that leadership aspect yeah it's um i like what you know what some of you were saying about sort of striking that that balance between the two um something that came to mind to me was just uh, something that's actually happening in real time at at, at work uh a few weeks ago we had a, a pretty pretty senior person uh within our with that our uh, company uh, get arrested for uh, prostitution and um, he's been on um, suspension and in 99% um, uh, sure he's gonna he's gonna be fired uh, I went to my boss our CEO on um, on Thursday and um, told him that, that 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 I would like this individual to work in my group and he looked at me like I had uh, three eyes, <laughs> and he said, uh, "He said Palmer Brown. He said the guy who's whiter than white. Trust me, I'm not whiter than white, but from his perspective, I am." He said, "You want this guy to work with you in your group?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Wait, wait, wait. Let me guess. You're gonna quote uh, John 4:28." <laughs> um, and I said, uh, actually, I, I, I looked at that because I was like, I, maybe God's saying whatever in, is in 428. But 428 says something like, and then the lady went to the well. <laughs> um, look at wept. it. You'll see that. John 420. <laughs> I, said, I said, no. And he, he, he said, um, well, wait a minute. You're going to say something about forgiveness. I'm going to say, yeah. Sort of. I mean, we're taught to, to, to love the sin or hate the sin. And when I look at this situation... And yeah, I, I agree. There, there are ramifications for our decisions. Yeah. Um, but I look at the situation and I see a family that's that's on the edge. And whatever we can do to try to help that situation, I want to try to do it. I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. But it was probably 99% sure the guy was going to lose his job. Who knows what was going to happen to his family? Maybe it's 50-50 at this point. I don't know. But I mean, I think it's it's that kind of that kind of leadership, that kind of action that that we're called to. That's great. Now I'll tell you, leadership is not just being in a position of authority. Godly leadership is loving those that you lead. 
when we begin to have the heart of God for those that we have been given the privilege of leading, then true leadership can occur. And and I just believe that's what God has placed each of us um, in our jobs for. So whoever you're leading, whether it's at school, whether it's in, in, in your workplace, Man, there's some people that it's tough. It's tough to lead, right? Personality clashes and differences, and man, you wish they maybe were doing a better job. But I think in the important part of, of of who we are as leaders is just to remember that God has a plan for those individuals as well, and He loves them just as recklessly as He loves us. So. What a fantastic, fantastic panel today. I appreciate you guys sharing your hearts. And would you again just thank them for joining us today? Thanks, guys, so much. That's cool. That's cool. Thanks, ma'am. You know, one of the um, one of the things I know is is this is that whenever we are forced or whenever we are challenged, I would say maybe to change our perspective on something, each of us respond to that challenge. You, you have zero um, ability to dodge a response. You will respond to this challenge. And when we're looking at work as a form of worship, I, I don't know about you, but again, I'm being challenged by that. So my response will be one of two things. My first response will be to walk out of here and pretty much forget what I heard. Go back to my job tomorrow, you'll go back to your job tomorrow, and we'll leave this series behind, and we'll look forward to the next series. We'll duck the challenge. Or the second response is that we'll embrace the challenge. We'll embrace what God says work is to us, that it's a blessing, that it's an opportunity to worship Him, and it's an opportunity to show others the love of Jesus Christ. The first choice, I promise you, if we, if we choose to avoid the challenge and pretend like God hasn't spoken to us, your job is going to continue to be a drain and not a blessing. Your job is going to continue to be a source of frustration to you. You're going to wake up in the morning dreading getting in the car and going there, or I can challenge you in this, if you embrace the second. We embrace God's viewpoint, God's perspective of worship. I believe it will fundamentally change the way you see your job. And so this morning, we all have that choice. And my prayer is this. God, I pray that every single one of my friends in here will embrace the challenge, Lord. That we would do away with our perspective, our way of thinking. God, we would embrace your truth. Because, Lord... Hundred out of a hundred times, your ways are the right way. And God, our thoughts are not your thoughts. And, and Father, so our perspectives, Lord, they are so far below your perspective, God. And, and, and the blessings that come with embracing your perspective are life-changing. And so, God, I pray for my friends here that they would embrace this, this view, this, this truth of work as worship. Lord, I pray we would go into our workplace tomorrow. God, we would serve as though we're serving you. We would we would live our lives, Lord, in such a way that it would show others that there is a God in heaven who loves us. And that, Father, we would look for those opportunities to be able to share who you are. Father, I pray for boldness and courageousness over each of my friends. In Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.